The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we talk with Tommy Douglas, president and CEO of Metro East Community Media. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am pleased to be joined by President and CEO Tommy Douglas of Metro East. How are you? Awesome. It's so good to be here and nice to talk to you, Phil. Yeah, so we have, I I think we're going to set up here a two-pronged discussion. First, about surviving during the shutdown, and then uh, about offering platforms and opportunities for equity. Um, You know, boy, you really jumped into the frying pan. You are new in this position, um, maybe six months when the shutdown happened? Yep. Yeah. You know, you never think you're going to become a CEO of an organization um, right before a pandemic and then like a time of social unrest happens. That's not a thing they ever really prepare you for. So, um, but yeah, I mean, what a way to learn about how important your organization is to a community than to be thrust into a moment where we're, you know, suddenly super, super uh, um, activated and helping serve the community. So it's, it's actually kind of been, I mean, I wouldn't want this to happen again, but in terms of learning what our, my organization has the capacity to do, you know, uh, this, has been, this has been a really learning experience for everyone. It's been great. Yeah. And I would also think in terms of defining its uh, um, purpose and necessity. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, we immediately flipped everything to a digital platform. Um, You know, all of our, you know, IRL stuff became, you know, web classes and all that sort of thing, which we were, you know, perfectly poised to do. And, you know, all of our numbers of participation have like doubled. I mean, we've, we've seen like, you know, if anything, we're having a lot of conversations in the organization about, you know, is our location a barrier? Is even having a building, you know, unnecessary in these times when, you know, the most accessible thing is for folks to be able to sit in their own living room and learn or engage or have access to programs or learning or whatever programming. So, yeah, it's been pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously, our listeners can't see you. We're on the radio, but I we're, we're recording this by Zoom like we've done for the past few months. And you're in what you described as uh, your house, which is a log cabin. <laughs> it is. It is. So uh, when I started my job at Metro East, I moved so I would live, you know, in the community that we serve. So I moved out east. I'd been living in southeast Portland. I'd lived in the Hawthorne district for like pretty much my whole life um, on and off. And yeah, moved to Corbett. And I now live in a log cabin um, on six acres. And uh, we have animals that it you know and in rabbits and it's like i yeah i feel a little bit like snow white at times <laughs> it's really idyllic and really cool and also still 25 minutes to portland so it's kind of feels you know for someone who grew up in the middle i grew up in malala um in very rural clackamas county it's it's sort of the best of both worlds i get all the nature and all that but i can also be downtown in half an hour which is pretty good yeah absolutely and 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 um I would think though it's also very interesting. It is the community that you serve, but yes. when I think of Metro East, I also think of Gresham um, right. more than right. I think uh, which I think of as very 
um, urban, let, not, not, you know, not six acres and, and bunny rabbits. <laughs> yeah, not, not so much. Yeah, but, it's pretty interesting how quickly you get to rural from here, right? Like in East County, it, it, it shifts very quickly. And I guess that, yeah, my question was more leading up to the idea that you are serving an incredibly diverse yeah. community and, and, and perhaps one, you know, I don't want to make this a uh, comparison to, to um, uh, Open Signal, which used to be Portland mm -hmm. Community Media, but you mm -hmm. guys are very similar in terms yeah. of your mandate and your funding and some yeah. of your output, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but serving very different demographics. Yes. Yeah, they're definitely our sibling organization and Justin Harn, their, their CEO and I work together uh, very closely in all things. Um, he's awesome. But yeah, we, we talk regularly about how different the communities that we serve are just by, you know, a matter of a couple miles. And it's not just Gresham. I mean, we're located in Gresham, so we, we tend to be a little bit Gresham centric at times. Um, but we actually serve all of East Multnomah County and the other municipalities um, in the area, Wood Village and Fairview and Troutdale and the smaller communities folks don't really think about as being part of East County. Um, but you know, Gresham's only half of our audience and folks we serve. The other half is rural East Multnomah County, like here where I live in Corbett. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, Wood Village and, you know, these super cute little communities up and down, you know, the area. And how does, how does that um, direct your programming then? Because what is somebody in Wood Village? Are they yeah. going to be in a class with somebody from Gresham? Yeah, absolutely. And someone, you know, who's, a, you know, a new Portlander who's just moved from, you know, um, another country. Like we serve folks with 88 different languages, I think are spoken in the homes of the area that we serve, 88. And I think that there's like 70 some that are spoke of, you know, kids in the school districts that we serve, Gresham Barlow, Reynolds, the Centennial. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the most diverse school districts in the area and in the state. So, um, you know, we have, we do really specialized programs sometimes for the communities that reach out to us. Um, we did a really cool coding camp for, you know, um, a group of Bengali women. Um, you know, there are times that we get pulled in um, to really do a very culturally specific piece of, pro of digital programming and we try to step up whenever we can. Um, we have a pretty diverse staff and um, we, you know, work with a lot of really cool partners um, that are very generous with their time and their expertise too. But yeah, it's, it's a wildly diverse community. I mean, it's very different than, than where I lived in Southeast Portland, let me tell you. I, I, I think I underestimated how different the community out here is. But like in all kinds of awesome ways that are sort of unexpected, but yeah, it's a very different community. Tommy Douglas is a CEO and president for Metro East. And it's, it's been interesting. A lot of um, who we have spoken to uh, through this radio show over the past few months, a lot of direct services, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, working with uh, homeless populations, um, working with, with, with equity, a lot more direct services. Um, yet, you know, as we started this discussion, we talked a, a lot about how media, both in terms of, uh, connecting communities, helping people not feel isolated during the quarantine, uh, and then also as a platform for equity. Um, yeah. You feel like you're an essential service. I, I guess maybe that's the, to use the language of right now. Do you feel like yeah. you're an essential <clears throat> service? You know, that's a great question. No one's asked me that, huh? I think in many ways we provide essential services, but I think that there are other folks that also provide these kind of things. So we're, you know, we're not the last line of defense. I certainly can't, you know, plead the sort of necessity that a local food bank would in a time like this or, you know, a, you know, a medical um, facility or something. But 
I'll tell you, like, you know, our video conferencing cl classes on how to video conference with folks who've just recently picked up their first laptop from us and are just learning how to like engage with business in this time of remote work when they've never done it before. I think they'd say we're pretty damn essential at this point. Um, but that said, like, you know, I, you know, I, I, I have a lot of deference to those who do direct service in our community and we try to partner with them as much as we can just to sort of help them out during this time. And also like the civic engagement piece, you know, that's part of our mission. Um, you know, uh, the League of Women Voters was, you know, partnered with us recently and we produced 60 videos for them, candidate forum stuff. Like we weren't going to have candidate forums. There wasn't gonna be sort of an open election system because we couldn't get together because of COVID. And it would have been the first time in East County would it, we would have had no candidate forums, you know, public candidate forums that were available, right? I mean, I think that's pretty essential, but you know, you know, Maslow hierarchy, I don't know. But I, you know, I think that, you know, us and our staff think that we're really important to the community and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think we're going to be even more important during the, you know, the reconstruction or whatever we're going to call this new era, you know, when we rebuild and shift. Yeah, I want to get to that. I, I want to talk a little bit more about you. Again, as we started saying, when you first, uh, you've been at the job for less than a year now, and, and of which uh, yeah. a, good, a good chunk of that has been um, quite the trial. Yeah. Um, Let's talk, let's talk about what, what do you think the hiring committee found most uh, interesting or important for the skills that you were bringing? Um, because it, it is a change from uh, the, the director that was there for the previous three years. Correct. Yeah, you know, I think they really saw that what was happening with the organization was that Frankly, there were plenty of people in-house that are experts um, in film, in community, you know, um, in community media, in those specific areas, like the subject matter of what we do. Tons of talent in-house, but the organization's biggest needs were to really function more like a traditional nonprofit because the, our funding structure has changed so dramatically. You know, we're funded by franchise fees, by cable franchise fees, right? And so over the last decade, as people have been, you know, cutting the cord, cutting the cord, right? much like myself, Netflixing it up, right? Um, you know, our funding has dramatically decreased. And so we have shrunk as an organization in certain ways and made a lot of accommodations and made some smart moves. But the reality is we just needed to become an organization that, you know, fundraised and, you know, performed in the community in a very traditional way instead of being like, program and contract based. Um, we need to become more of an open community organization and less of a secret because we need to have more funding from other areas and, um, and a, just a, frankly a broader base of support. And I think that the EDs that they'd had in before me were experts in community media and built a, you know, a killer program and a great team. I mean, I inherited an amazing team. Um, and I think that, they, that the board understood that it was time to get someone in. He was used to fundraising, telling the story, helping people understand like the value that we bring to the community. And I worked in government and arts mostly. So that was kind of, you know, telling stories about value to community is kind of what I do. Um, so I think it felt like a good fit. And I was pretty passionate about the team, honestly. So I think they saw that, that I was really excited to work with those folks that work there, that are at the organization now. I have some pickup questions on that. Um, sure. Uh, the last one that you mentioned is that you, you, you've worked in um, government and, and arts and you worked with uh, Mayor Sam Adams. Yes. Um, and, you know, if, if you don't want to answer this, let me know. But like, can we talk about Sam a little bit? I, I, you know, Sam is, Sam is um, you know, friend for both of us uh, mm -hmm. and a very interesting uh, trying to, you know, looking to return to city politics and, and it mm -hmm. didn't it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Disappointing. 
If you could give Sam career advice right now, what career advice would you give to him to contribute again? Wow, I think that's a great question. I mean, I think it would be, you know, it's hard to it's hard to urge anyone to continue in politics once you've seen that life up close. I mean, you know this, right? And you know, when I worked for Sam, I saw someone who worked harder than I'd ever seen a human work before. And I don't know that that's good for people long term. Like I, I don't know that that kind of pace and that kind of urgency and have and feeling responsible for the entire city, you know, on your shoulders. I don't know that that's great for human beings in a, for, on a long-term basis. I mean, it's why I have a ton of respect for electeds, honestly, because I know the reality of what a job that can truly be. Um, wildly rewarding also, um, you know? So as someone who cares about Sam and wants Sam to be happy, you know, I would say, you know, what about academia? What about a place where your ideas and thoughts can be spread in a way? And, you know, I would love the idea of him teaching or, you know, um, or perhaps maybe another, I don't know, another NGO or something like that. He's got an amazing brain and a killer work ethic, you know? I mean, and he, he's a dog with a bone. Like, you know, that's, you know, you really want that. I mean, I, I wish I had a Sam or two and, and, you know, in my career that would, you know, working for me, cause it would have been awesome. Um, you know, that said, you know, I didn't, I, I supported Sam's candidacy and gave him money and was very happy. And I was bummed that he had lost, but I also thought that the office was too small for him. And, and, you know, and, but I also, as much as I love the city, I wanted him helping fix today's problems because I know how hard he'd work at it and how he actually would focus on the stuff that matters and not about, you know, the stuff that would get him reelected. <laughs> I, I know that was a little bit off topic, but I, I was very, okay. interested and I think, and I think our listeners would be interested to hear that it's, it's a, it's a dangling question out there. The other, the other um, thing I want to pick up on what you were talking about uh, because it got a little bit insider baseball. So uh, um, Open Signal, Portland Community Media, uh, and, and Metro East are funded by, like you said, cable. So Comcast gives a percentage. Uh, mm-hmm. Rebate to the community is a wrong way of saying it, but an easy way of describing it, which funds uh, community-based you know, as, as opposed to uh, um, a sitcom and commercial-oriented right uh, programming mm-hmm. and like you've also mentioned is that that is in jeopardy um you know and, and especially during quarantine this has become really obvious people aren't ordering cable people are uh self-selecting what media they consume and that's netflix and that's hulu and that's you know with my three-year-old kid that's disney plus um uh yeah. you know we, we we can choose our own but that means and I don't think anyone, most people don't understand that that is jeopardizing these community television stations, which have been around for decades. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and they've ebbed and waned in popularity and use over time. But, you know, part of the, you know, the original thinking when we made these deals with the cable companies is like, look, if you're going to use all of our public infrastructure and, you know, sort of have a monopoly over what is essentially a utility, you know, you got to pay it forward and make sure that our citizens in the area have free access to media, right? So that if at some point Comcast were to become super weird and evil and would only, you know, broadcast, you know, whatever kind of shows, there would be some, you know, balance, some pendulum swing in a community where we could get on the air and talk about what was, you know, really happening. So, you know, that was sort of the original right thinking, right? It's like just providing, you know, pure access. But now, I mean, we've shifted to a model where, you know, digital equity is everything and people having, you know, appropriate access to the internet and everything is, 
no longer even considered non-essential, it's super essential. Um, so all of a sudden our model has shifted and, but we don't get a piece of that internet, you know, the INET fee or any of that. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, but we kind of work cross media at Metro East the same way that Open Signal does, right? We we publish to our our you know our state our channels, you know our six channels, but we also throw everything up on the internet and on YouTube and let people consume in whatever platform they want. You know, I'm trying to be as platform agnostic as I can, right. you know, because what we do, you know, I mean, it could end up in any kind of platform, and it doesn't matter really to me. It's about the storytelling or the the news or whatever the content is, you know. And I want to get to that uh, storytelling and content uh, in a bit. Let's take a let's take a music break. Uh, uh, yeah. th throw us a song to play. Um, well, the song that I had wanted to throw is because it's just we just finished up budget season. So um, Wu Tang Clan uh, Cream, I think, would be especially key right now because yeah, it's cash rules everything around me. I mean, it's <laughs> at budget year end and looking at next fiscal year, it's, it's all about that and, you know, finding new sponsors and support, all that kind of stuff. That's my head's full of that. It's just, yeah. I don't think we've played a Wu-Tang song on the nonprofit happy hour before, so thank you. Here we go. <laughs> The New York Times side, staying alive was no job. Had second hands, moms bounced on old man. So then we moved to Shallon Land. A young youth, you're rocking the gold tooth. Low goose, only way I begin to G York was drug loot. And let's start it like this, son. Rolling with this one and that one, pulling out gats for fun. But it was just a dream for the team who was a fiend. Started smoking wounds at 16 and running up in gates and doing hits for high stakes. Making my way on fire skates. No question, I was speed for cracks and weed. The combination made my eyes bleed. No question, I would flow off and try to get the dough off. Sticking up right, boys, on board My life got no better. Same damn low sweater. Times is rough and tough like leather. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sick tight click and went all out. Catching keys from cross seas, rolling in MPVs every week. We made 40 G. Yo, brothers, respect mine. I ain't gonna tech now. Bow, move from the gate now. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. It's been 22 long, hard years. I'm still struggling. Survival got me bugging. But I'm alive on arrival. I'll be back to safe for the streets to stay awake. Stays hot. Leave 
leave it up to me while I be living proof To kick the truth to the young black youth But shorties running wild, smoking sex, drinking beer And ain't trying to hear what I'm kicking in his ear Neglected for now, but yo, it got to be accepted That what? The life is hectic Cash moves everything around me This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm talking to Tommy Douglas, who is the CEO of Metro East. Before we took our uh, Wu-Tang break, we started talking about um, uh, content and storytelling. Those are buzzwords and they have been for the past several years around the media. Mm -hmm. What I find interesting, and I think you would have some real good perspective on, is that um, everybody talks about content and storytelling being buzzwords. At the same time, equity is also thrown in there mm -hmm. as a word. And those are not necessarily mutually inclusive words in right. that um, content and storytelling requires some production training, uh, mm -hmm. some media training, um, and equity uh, and, and, and training and access is sometimes the uh, antithesis of equity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Can, right. Yeah. Can, right. Can take, take what I'm throwing out there and try yeah. to form a good question. I, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Like, are there barriers, you know, is, are there barriers, are we creating barriers, you know, just simply by, you know, uh, the education armor or what I, I just, yeah, I, I think equity gets bandied around a lot right now. I mean, for us, it means like, it's old school equity. Does everyone have equitable access to the internet, to broadcasting, to tools, to education? Um, and for us, like it's, it's paramount, but we also are constantly, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like how much is a bear, you know, are actually doing, you know, classes and programs on site. Is that a barrier versus having them online? Um, and, you know, everything we do is either free or on a sliding scale. So we try to, you know, we don't have those barriers to equity there. But man, let me tell you, we're constantly learning about what other community barriers exist or cultural barriers exist that we're just trying to push through because equity is not just being like, hi, we have this thing that we'll share with you, but like, hi, <laughs> we're going to bring this to you if need be and, you know, and help you, you know, understand what's going on because you have the right to have this access, you know, as much as anyone. And we learned like during COVID, right? Like <laughs> what school dis districts actually had gear to send home with their kids to where they could do distance learning and who didn't. And, you know, I mean, we saw equity, you know, very vividly reflected in our community in really tangible ways, really fast. And I think that was pretty powerful. And may maybe along those lines too, I want to talk a little bit about producer and consumers. Mm -hmm. um, are you there more for the producer or are you there more for the consumer? Meaning that, 
um, a lot of what you've been talking about is getting uh, these opportunities uh, to different persons or different demographics. Mm -hmm. How much does that balance out with also getting that media out to an audience? Um, I think it's, that's a really good question. I think it's interesting. I think we're focused on the producer. I mean, we, it's not that we don't care about the audience. I mean, we do, we know that they're there, but like, we don't measure success by how many people watch our channels. We measure success by how many hours of production time people spend, how many hours, you know, folks spend learning. Like none of our benchmarks for success are based on audience. Um, and as someone who spent their life, you know, working in arts and culture, <laughs> that's really weird to like, not really care about the audience or count them obsessively or try to, you know, um, we're really there to help people get those stories and the word out and, you know, and we create all the pathways. Like I said, we're, you know, multi-platform, not totally platform agnostic. Our stuff's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, because it is, it is tricky because you want to have uh, a, as many voices as possible to be able to express themselves. Mm -hmm. But part of that has to be that people are hearing that as well. I mean, I think that is um, maybe a more uh, esoteric issue that's come up is that it hasn't been, it's not necessarily that, that stories or music or media or politics haven't been produced by uh, different demographics. It's sometimes that the predominant demographic hasn't been listening. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, it, it does matter who's listening. It does matter who's paying attention, which is nice. I mean, which is why it's great that we have the internet as a platform and no longer dependent upon just like television channels for that kind of visual media, right? Back when we just had to have a cable TV subscription to see what was happening out in the world or what kind of, right, right, video, I mean, Remember when we, you know, old school, like Saturday night, 1130, like, you know, to watch all the cool videos that would be, I mean, it's just insane, like the access that, that we have now. And so, you know, providing that pathway, awesome, because then folks can find their audiences. I mean, you know, they, it's, I mean, we've seen it happen so many times, people self-organizing on the web over like really minute, really small, obscure passions. And oftentimes the content we produce is that sort of stuff that has a very specific community that is finally feeling heard or seen. Um, and, but it's not about numbers, you know? Um, I, I want to wrap up our conversation. It's so great to talk to you. And, and it's, it's um, I, I'm very fascinated with the work that you do. Um, I want to talk about just some more some brass tacks. So we're going to bring this uh, feet back on the ground here. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to me about what what are some services that that our listeners would be interested in that that Metro East provides. Um, how can people engage with Metro East? Well, right now we're doing everything online. Um, um, but you know, you, if you join Metro East, you pay your membership, um, which depending on you know where you are, it's can be it's wildly reasonable. You have access to all of our classes and programs for free. You have re you have access to equipment, to editing rooms, all this stuff, all kinds of free access. So essentially, you can come, go through some minimal training, just so that folks are aware of how to use equipment and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this is, of course, assuming after we're back open, which would will happen this fall. Um, you know, and then they can create and connect with other producers and other folks that are making content. Um, a lot of what I think we keep seeing is folks that come in that want to tell a story um, and we're like, okay, well, here, here we're going to teach you how to create a television show. And then what we end up doing is helping them create some community around them to kind of have that, you know, producer, writer, team. 
Um, uh, and, you know, and we do all kinds of other things, other classes. I mean, we do a smartphones for seniors class that's wildly popular um, and is really, you know, valuable to all the, the communities that we bring it to around the area. And, you know, folks, a lot of folks don't know that we even do that. And then, you know, this summer we aren't doing it, but we'll be bringing it back this fall. But we do VR camps for kids and um, uh, game camps and video game stuff and you know um, we're doing a VR AR partnership with um, another arts organization so there's you know really cool stuff that's happening and I also installed um, a quick uh, a, um, what's it called uh, gallery hardware into the building so that when we open back up um, we're going to be able to do like 2d art shows um, where we live you know in our community in East Portland there's not a lot of galleries there's not a lot of art spaces not a lot of venues um, and so we want to open up and be more you know part of the community so we'll do first Thursdays and you know invite you know multimedia folks in so we want, we want there to be more partnerships between traditional arts folks and like digital media we think that'd be really cool partnerships in the community so fun stuff Tommy Douglas is uh, president and CEO of Metro East. Glad we could finally do this. Thanks. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.